everyone, and welcome to episode 267 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Zafrod Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, starting with Richard. What's up today, Richard? Hey, Seth. What's going on? Uh, A lot, actually. We have some exciting stuff to talk about today. Before we get into that, though, we have another co-host all the way from Japan. Krim, how's your trip <laughs> to Japan going? Good to see you. Uh, good to see you. Good to hear from you. It's, uh, well, it's late for me, but good morning to everybody here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you can make it because we actually have a lot of sweet topics to talk about. We are starting off with a topic that just came to light this morning. The BNR update is out. Uh, kind of surprising. A lot of changes though across different formats. So we're going to kick things off with BNR discussion. We also got the foil list for mystery boosters. We wanted to talk a little bit about those, some arena updates, and then of course, answering your fish mail. So that's kind of the overview for today. But before we jump into it, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card conduit and if you've ever struggled to sell your magic cards all the sorting all the typing the hassle the shipping they got you covered they are the easiest way to sell magic cards if you're looking to avoid all that hassle in time uh you can use this service from the folks over at card hoarder and they will sort grade and sell your magic cards and once your shipment is processed you'll receive the proceeds minus their fee and right now you can get a 10 percent discount by going to cardconduit.com slash goldfish so thank you so much to card conduit for supporting the show and with our sponsorship stuff out of the way, let's talk some banning. So we got the BNR update. Well, we got the warning last week that we were getting it today. So we were pretty sure that something would be changing. But Richard, we got the announcement today. What actually changed? All right. Wizards was really excited about the BNR. They decided to release all their changes today. So let's go through, I, I guess, in like order of importance to us. So first up, Historic. The following cards are moved from suspended to banned. So remember, we have the suspension state where they're like, yeah, we're testing the band, but it may not be permanent. So to no one's surprise, Oko, once upon a time, Veil of Summer, confirmed banned. Field of the Dead, uh, unsuspended. So back to legal. It's safe in the clear. Uh, so, so yeah, our green suite that's banned like everywhere, also banned in historic. Uh, Brawl, Golos, Tireless Pilgrim, banned. Apparently, Golos was a pretty strong... Uh, it was pretty gross. Pretty strong card in Brawl. Uh, moving on to our uh, kind of competitive constructive formats, Legacy, Underworld, Breach is banned. And then Modern, Once Upon a Time is banned. Pioneer, no changes. Oh, so... What a interesting announcement. Go ahead, Grim. What are your thoughts? Well, so I agree with the Brawl banning, because Golos just always paid for itself, and it was very annoying to play against Brawl. And, uh, you know, like it mentioned in the article, like, the fact that it's five colors allowed you to just play pretty much everything you ever needed, and it, like, you never really stumbled on mana. Uh, the Historic stuff, I, I, I'm curious to see what happens with Historic, because Feel the Dead's back in. Uh, their reasoning behind it being okay, though, is because they reprinted things like Ghost Quarter, uh, and Goblin Ruin Blaster. <laughs> I, I, so, so let me, let me say something about that really quick. If there's one thing that I've learned about Field of the Dead by playing modern and standard, having a ghost quarter usually isn't the solution to your Field of the Dead problems. Usually, once Field of the Dead start hitting the battlefield, the game is pretty much over. Even if you can blow it up, there's 
there's another one coming. They're tutoring up two of them with Hour of Promise or Primeval Titan. So I will say I'm skeptical of that line of reasoning. I'm hopeful that maybe they're correct and Goblin Room Blaster means a field that, that is safe, <laughs> but that has not actually been the case in literally any other format in Magic. So I'm a little skeptical of that reasoning. Yeah, I'm also skeptical of that reasoning myself because first off, Ruin Blaster requires you to pay a kicker cost, so it's four mana to blow up a land, right? So you're essentially playing like whatever that four mana land destruction instead of scrying you get a 2-1 with haste but Krim you can also block a single zombie of the hundreds that are already on the battlefield by the time you cast your four mana land destruction spell you know what's even better when you ghost corner them and if they have two field of the deads you give them a zombie <laughs> like yeah, I I don't know if uh, Field of the Dead should come off here, but you know what? Like l- let's let's see it how it plays out. But I I can't imagine it working out for anyone. And much like you said, because so, in every format, it's never just oh blow it up easy problem solved. While we're on the topic of historic, do we know how how this works? With so uh, so cards go from suspended to banned, then they're banned. Field of the Dead went from suspended to back to legal. If it's problematic again, does it get banned? Does it get suspended again? And then we decide again if it actually needs to be banned. Do we know how that progress works for something that comes off of the suspension list and is legal again? I think it goes back to being suspended, right? Because it would just make sense. Because I think right now they're because they choose uh, to like what what they allow get to like get like filtered in right between each anthology set uh, for historic. So naturally they could just be like, okay, well, okay, it, it, we what, whatever we did wasn't correct. Put it back on the suspend list again. Let's try putting a pun. A bunch of other stuff in to see if it stops field the dead so it i think it just goes back on suspension because suspension is pretty much banned yeah i don't really understand what the difference between suspension and banned at this point is like it's just banned right and stuff can come off the ban list more easily now but you still can't use the card so why do we have this (laughs) i don't know right like well because yes i will craft i will craft these wild cards because it's only suspended you know, like, so well, I what are you doing this? My, unders- my understanding is that suspension lasts for exactly one quarter, like from one anthology release to the next. And then after that time period, it's either banned or legal. Like you can't just keep suspending, suspending, suspending. It's still a little weird, but it's basically like for this three month period, we're going to like think about what we're going to do with this card, see if anything changes, and then we're going to make a final decision after that. Well, I hope it goes just to permanently banned, because it's pretty difficult to deal with that card. It, it's already a problem to deal with it in modern, so in all the other formats, so, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's no way Historic is going to just be like, whatever, who cares, feel the dead, so. Yeah. I mean, uh, I f- they might flip-flop back and forth, but ultimately I think it will be banned. It's one of those birthing pod things where you're like wow we can never print like ramp spells ever again because if we have too many good ones like feel the dead is a problem so even if it's somehow okay now like it will eventually just break again so i think they will eventually just slap it into the band list and just keep it there yeah they should just leave it there honestly What about uh, real formats? Uh, wow. Legacy Underworld Reach. <laughs> wow. There's going wow. to be a ladder system. There's go- there is uh, a ladder. Yeah, I, 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 I apologize. It's coming back. I apologize to our dozens of histor- historic players in our audience. Uh, I did not mean to offend you in your format. Uh, but Legacy. <laughs> uh, Underworld Breach, I think this was pretty predicted. It went from nothing to the best deck in the format in a very short period of time and one of the things that made it so scary was it wasn't a traditional combo deck you could just play kind of like a 
a Jeskai control deck almost and have Underworld Breach and like Lightning Bowl with Brain Freeze be your finisher. So I feel like that's part of what pushed uh, Underworld Breach to such a quick banning is it wasn't a glass cannon combo deck. You could play a very real deck that also had this like very hard to interact with combo finish. So I think that was something pretty much all the legacy players agreed on. Modern, what do you think about Once Upon a Time? Uh, we saw that rise to be, I think, the single most played card in the format, at least according to our our modern metagame page. It's like I was somehow beating out Lightning Bolt. Uh, what do you think about that one being banned now, basically in every format? Joining Oko as the Throne of Eldering card that within six months is literally just banned across the board in every competitive format, essentially. I, I feel like Throne of Eldraine has just been banned, so, like, I kind of forgot this was legal, to be honest with you. <laughs> I just assumed, like, a long time ago this card was banned. Why wasn't it? Why did it take so long, right? Because I feel like it always offered green and all of those the decks that can play it way too much consistency. Like, how, how has it made it this far along the way? You know, everyone plays it, but I don't think it's that bad because in modern if you actually have to hard cast once upon a time that's that's like a time walk it's not no. like standard it's, it's instant. standard was slow enough where you're like okay whatever right i'll actually cast this but in modern when your opponent's doing nothing and they're just passing it's like oh yes they drew two once upon a times instead of doing it on turn zero so i actually didn't feel that card is actually that bad. I feel there's more obnoxious cards in Eldraine still floating around in modern than once upon a time. As, as long like as what? there's a free Veil of Summer. Uh, <laughs> well, that's that's core. That's core. Oh, that's sorry, core. wrong set. <laughs> that's actually not Eldraine. <laughs> Mystic Sanctuary, like I don't know. Uh, that's a good one. Sanctuary Mystic Sanctuary. Is, doesn't Sanctuary feel a little too slow though? I mean, like I get Sanctuary it. Sanctuary is the dumbest card I've seen in my life. <laughs> like, is, oh is yes. It? <laughs> Is yes, it? let me let me put it in this deck, you know, and let me get free Fetch cryptic land. commands at any point in time and just lock you out of the game for no cost whatsoever to my you know my deck building to Your anything. Mana base. That's it's okay. even fetchable. Like, it's, yeah, it's fetchable, I, I, and you already play cryptic commands, so you already play like islands. It's fine. But, it, but it's yes, I will care. say the lock is obnoxious. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, what, what if I what if I fetched a goif up out of nowhere? <laughs> right? Like that's like what if Dryad Arbor was like a four five? Like how would you feel if that that is once upon a time? Except it's better because Cryptic is just better. <laughs> no, 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 no. You got to remember, Cryptic Command is not even played that much anymore because of a card that does the same thing for one mana. So, like, <laughs> like mean... to be to be completely honest, I I'm being serious. I think if the concern is that Mystic Sanctuary and all of that is a problem in Modern, then we've done it, right? Like, I think we're at a spot where Magic or Modern is in a really, 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 really good spot. But oh, you just love your counter no. spells. No, no, no. So depriving I don't, I don't depriving even... back your Mystic Sanctuary every turn. I is don't like... even play it. It's like Crib's dreamland. I don't even play it. I don't even play that. I don't even play cryptic. It's so bad. Like it's like, like you, you, I don't, just... you don't even need a cryptic. It's 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 like a free mystical tutor, right? I'll put that path to exile back on top. Like at any time I feel it's like you know, like in a deck with snapcasters, the fairies, narsets, jaces, what is the card I fear most? Mystic Sanctuary, right? Like, oh, see, like, so I, I'm dumb. not worried about all of those things. Like, the, the, the Sanctuary thing, whatever. Like, I, I've had Wurza players fetch it up, you know, dunk on me with it. I'm just like, whatever, that's fine. Yeah. Like, but, like, I've, you finally grind down Wurza, and they're like, oh, yes, fetch land, perfect draw. <laughs> Mystic Sanctuary kills you, right? You're like, come on, dude, it was a fetch land. 
like, I've like found myself leaving in blood moons against decks that have like ten basic lands just to stop Mystic Sanctuary, like just because I hate getting locked by it so much. I'm like, sure, that's all my blood moons gonna do, but I'm keeping it in. Like, you're not gonna lock me. I I cannot imagine that that is more problematic than Once Upon a Time, though. Like, Once Upon a Time is a free. Spell. I I completely agree. Like, like once, upon, I think Once Upon a Time was very problematic, and I'm very glad that it's man. Like, uh, yeah. So I, I'm not I'm not debating that. I don't yeah. think that Mystic Sanctuary is uh, more busted than Once Upon a Time, but I do think it is an, a pretty obnoxious Throne of Alterine card. Yeah, and and like I, even if you're casting Once Upon a Time fairly, it's still instant speed. So it's not like I have to do it on my turn, right? Like I was already and two mana is not bad. It's yeah. not like it's three or four mana. Like it's not efficient if you have to cast it, but it's not like you know a joke or anything. It's like hard yeah, like, casting a ley line. You can do it, but it feels no, 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 no. Because like, you every definitely want line. this in your opener. You definitely yeah, want this in your but, opener. But when you think of it, like every ley line after the first one is awful. You're like, oh man, that is, I just skipped a draw step, right? But like once upon a time still does something. It's not four mana. This is, it's a way different card. I think this card is just disgusting on multiple levels. And I, and I, I think it, it's already good enough, like just on its own fairly. All right. I, I agree with you because it can fetch a, a Mystic Sanctuary. No, no. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> yes. No, but so once upon a time gets, is played in like literally sanctuary. every deck. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I think it should it should get the ban, but please, Watsy, for the love of Jund players, get rid of Mystic Sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> Jund doesn't so even far. care. What do you mean? <laughs> I don't care so about far. you casting cryptic commands for the entire game, fetching up that <laughs> celestial purge whenever you feel like it. <laughs> uh, so, what about we've talked a lot about what was banned? What about? what wasn't banned which i think just judging uh, by like social media conversations about bannings i think underworld breach was expected once upon a time was a card a lot of people expected so those changes were expected i think the shocking part of this ban list for me is i think most people thought that pioneer was going to be maybe the primary format that this banned and restricted update would be targeting and instead it got straight up no changes no changes in pioneer so what do you think about pioneer not getting any bannings it makes sense. and also i should also say wizards also said they're planning or hoping not to change anything in pioneer until after the players tour finals which is the end of april so not only no bannings now but likely no bannings for another couple months and and that i think plays part of it too right like letting the players know that they're okay you're safe from bannings it's not like you know randomly you've got to retest or do some other stuff sure right but like i also just think that Pioneer's fine, right? Like, I think these decks can be hated out. Uh, we have seen a lot of things all over the format. And it's okay to have a combo deck, right? Like, I I don't know. I, I'm okay with it. The only thing I wish kind of got the axe was Dig Through Time. I think that'd be the only thing. I think I'm more... I'm more... Uh, I think Dig Through Time was a thing that I saw as, like, the bare minimum. Get rid of Dig Through Time. That's that's kind of the minimum. I was kind of hoping they would take a more aggressive stance with Inverter. I'm I'm really surprised. It's still... It shows up a lot. It's heavily played. I know Wizards quoted some, like, in Magic Online Leagues in the last two weeks at only 149% of the time. But if you look at just, like, paper tournaments and so forth, it is constantly performing uh very well at paper tournaments. And... 
I don't know. It's very heavily played for the turtle format. It's, I think that is a harder deck to adjust to than, uh, the Lotus Breach deck, which I think you can adjust to that. There are cards that are very good against that. Graveyard Hate, Damping Spheres. I think Inverter is a lot harder to just hate out with one card. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm pretty surprised they didn't do something to target Inverter at this point, honestly. So what's interesting is a quote here. So they say, in addition, many decks that include the combo do so alongside with another primary game plan, which means more diversity of gameplay and fewer games ending with the combo finish. So if you play combo decks, as long as there's like a fair way to win, Wizards doesn't see it as like the same as an all-in combo deck. Which is strange because that just makes the combo deck more resilient and better. <laughs> so, like, so, uh, all right, let me, let me rant for a quick second. Like, how can you say these words about Inverter and also ban Splinter Twin, which is the definition of a fair deck that has a combo in it? Also ban eh. Copycat Combo just a couple weeks ago, which is also a fair deck that just happens to have a combo in it. Like, how does this logic hold up in the context of other bannings of similar two-card combos in fair decks? Can the Felidar Guardian, whatever, Cat Sahili combo win without it? Like, those decks re- heavily relied on it, right? Like, that's actually its only win combo. You just Elko Well, okay, okay, well, that, when Elko is not legal, right? So, like, let's say, let's say, let's say they unbanned it, right? For some odd reason, they took it off suspension. Um, and, uh, hey, Sahili pings for one a turn. Oh, my crime. God. Give Sahili some credit. That's only oh, 20 turns. Oh, my God. Okay, that's, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I just feel, I, I, kind of just understand their reasoning but at the same time like ah uh, i don't i don't really think it i i think the lotus breach combo is more of a problem than that in my opinion but i don't know but lotus breach hmm. is worse than inverter according to wizards last two weeks of moto leagues i don't i feel two weeks is a weird amount of time to be making bandless decisions off of like shouldn't it be a larger sample size I know we're talking about this, but did they choose two weeks just to cherry pick their forty nine percent? Like I don't, I don't know. Like it's it's a weird amount of time given like how long we have between B and R's that they pull out the two weeks of Moto leagues. But I do know like the optics isn't good. I started playing Modern because I just didn't want to play Demir Inverter in Pioneer, and I'm like, oh, Modern's pretty good actually. Uh, so I it's interesting to see like what the split between Modern and Pioneers because when Pioneer first came out, everyone jumped to Pioneer. It was like Brewer's Paradise. Now that it's settled down into like a combo-ish meta, like, you know, Demir Inverter is not a true combo deck. You can also play the fair game, but uh, it's a lot more combo-y than, say, standard. Uh, Do players shift back? Like, well, if we're going to play combo decks, I might as well just play modern and go faster. Uh, I have, honestly. I have as well, right? I'm like... All right, Tarmogoyf, let's go, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah, Tarmogoyf got an upgrade. He's now like a 5-6 normally instead of a 4-5. It's fine, right? <laughs> I mean, at least modern combo decks have uh, the kindness to just like kill me on turn two. So I can get oh, out is, of that, the is that game. kind? And Pioneer, is it's like kind? turn five, turn six. That's a lot of time I'm wasting knowing I'm going to die to the combo anyway. <laughs> but that's also a lot of time you <laughs> have to answer Just for me on turn two would be done with it. Storm oh my off, gosh. come on. <laughs> It's not better. That's worse. I mean, I, I've actually been playing a perfect split between both, right? I've been playing way more modern and, and like, which is good. And I've been playing a ton of pioneers still. I still feel like there are things. There's still tons of brewers decks out there. I mean, I'm out there right now attacking people with Croxa and like Grixis mid range, right? And that's doing good. So like, 
I don't know. I still, I feel like you can just beat it, right? Like, it, I guess I have the privilege of saying that because every deck I play has black. So, like, that allows me thought cease. <laughs> so, I guess that's a little bit different, right? So, I have a little bit of a bias there. But I don't know. I I like it. I I like this meta. Is that weird? So, I I mean, I don't think the Pioneer meta is horrible. Uh, so, I, I, I wouldn't say it's weird. I don't don't love it but what do you think of this question which is something that's been a popular topic on some of the reddit threads about the banning one of the common responses to pioneer getting no changes is people like well duh all these new combo decks that are dominating the format are built on theros beyond death cards and wizards wants to keep selling theros beyond death cards until ikora releases so they're just gonna wait until april after ikora releases and they're selling that and then they'll ban all these cards i i mean we, we've already plays into it at all <laughs> no i i used to think that but after like well, they banned emrakul right Amrakul was the face of the, like, Eldritch Reborn and Standard and whatnot. <laughs> and so, like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like they definitely don't have an issue banning cards that are just released. I mean, as we've seen, since, like, Eldraine is pretty much entirely banned, um, like, in every format. I, they did arguably wait a as while. long as they possibly yeah. could yeah. to ban Oko and once in, Like, it, they should have banned it way quicker than they did. We got to the point where Standard was 75% one deck. Like, they, they pushed that to the max to not ban it quickly. I, I think. think it's definitely yeah. a consideration. Like, if the it format is. is completely broken, they, they will ban the card. But if it's, like, a coin flip or 50-50 or something close, they, they will try to not ban the newest set or their face cards. Remember Sahili Guardian... You know, what do they ban? They ban, ban the uncommon. They ban the uncommon instead of the, uh, you know, your chase mythic of the set or whatever. Emrakul took a while. Oko, like, it's just, they want to sell cards, right? Like, yeah, they keep citing they don't care about the secondary market, but we know a million times that's not true, right? With secret layers and all that stuff. Like, yeah, right? Like, I, they cannot justify banning, like, all the new cards from the new set. So if it's close, I think they'll err on the side of not banning. If it's like totally broken, then sure, like you, you kind of just got to bite the bullet and do it. But I do think there there is some, you know, that does play into the decision. So from the player's perspective, then, let's say you're thinking about getting a Pioneer deck. Are you feeling safe buying Inverter, uh, Heliad Combo, which is the number two deck right now, Lotus Breach, which is the other deck, like... Uh, do you take this announcement as like, okay, it's safe. I'm going to spend my $500 on this deck. Or are you thinking, well, it's probably just going to get banned the end of April after the players tour. So I probably shouldn't do that. If I, if I'm buying into these decks and I like combo decks or things that are broken, I'm probably not going to be too upset knowing that I'm, if I'm like example, like I, I don't worry about my decks ever getting banned because I'm playing fair, janky, like terrible decks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or you know what I mean? Like I never, I never worry about them getting banned. So, but the thing, yeah, the thing is, if I'm like, oh, I'm gonna play the most broken deck in the format, you know, there, there's probably a chance it gets banned. And or like, if I'm just the person that plays the best deck, then you know, I probably, I'm probably gonna buy whatever's there anyway. So I, I, I would feel it, it depends on the type of player you are. Yeah, I don't think anything is safe. Like they can yeah. either ban a piece, and then you hope the leftovers of the deck is still a deck, uh, kind of like when Birthing Pod went. Uh, you know, I could see them totally saying, White Weenie is fine. If we ban Heliod Ballista combo, you could just kill him with Gideons or something, right? That That is totally a viable line of reasoning. But they could also just print new cards invalidating some of these decks, right? Like the meta could shift 
in the next set where whatever (laughs) broken stuff happens and your deck kind of is tier two now. So I I don't think you're ever safe. The Goblin Rune Bastard theory, we call it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Is that what we're calling it now? (laughs) Also, I love that Inverters single-handedly, like, spiked my Gideons. I have so many of those. (laughs) But, but yeah, I I don't know. I Like, if you're going to buy into the deck, just buy into it with caution, and you should be pretty much aware that there's a chance this gets the axe somewhere down the line. And or, it's it never ends well with these type of decks. You're either yeah. you're either getting it banned or something is going to be so much more broken that your deck is a meme, like Richard but, said, where it just but, becomes. But Demir like is forty nine percent non mirror match win. Should we believe this? <laughs> like, is it? So, what do you think if the community just keeps complaining about Inverter, but Wizards like honestly looks at the data and just sees that it's a bad deck or it's just like a fifty fifty deck? Do you think they would act just on like community outrage? I hope not, uh, but I think it's possible. I mean. I, I think the answer is yes, because I think they already did. I think if you go back and read the uh, Etherworks Marvel banning <laughs> update, I believe Aaron Forsyth write it, uh, wrote it, and I'm pretty sure he just, like, straight up said, like, this deck is bad, like, our data shows it's not that good, but y'all keep complaining about it, so uh, we're banning it. Like, not those exact words, but that was, like, uh, basically what the the banned announcement said. So I do think that it's possible that Wizards would ban the card anyway if people just complain. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely... St- I, I hope they don't once again, but I definitely can see them doing it. If, if enough outcry happens, right? Yeah. I mean, I would be cautious about buying into the combo decks right now uh, until the next BNR. Like, if you're okay with buying it, knowing that it's possible to get banned, but I wouldn't take this BNR announcement as a signal that, like, Inverter or Lotus Breach or Heliod, whatever, is safe in Pioneer forever. Like, it's safe for probably the next two months, but I wouldn't take this to mean it's safe forever. (laughs) I can tell you that it's safe until, uh, when is it? The end of the next Players Tour (laughs) finals in Houston in late (laughs) April. I can tell you that safely, currently at least. (laughs) I, If you're worried about that, just do what I, I, I would do. Combo meta, attack it with mid range. Just kidding. That's not a good idea, but you're, you're guaranteed to not get banned. You have four thought seasons. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. All you yeah. See, yeah, honestly, I, like Richard, how are you not playing Pioneer? Because <laughs> I could thought seize in modern. <laughs> yeah, but you could also do it in all formats. But here's then this. You could play with your I have Theros more than four thought seasons. And your lore wins. I have Inquisitions. <laughs> oh, great. You have Thought Erasure in Pioneer, then you combine that together. It's like the same thing. Uh, all right, let's let's move on from the banning topic. We got a couple other things to talk about before Fish Mail, with one of the other big ones being some changes to Magic Arena. So we have the March State of the Game, which has a bunch of different information in it. What were kind of the big things uh, from this State of the Game article that stuck out to both of you? Uh, outs- I think it's... <laughs> as weird as it sounds, uh, direct messaging and probably the cube sealed. What do you think about cube sealed? How how hyped are you? So cube sealed, if you're not familiar with cube, uh, it's kind of like setless. It's all-star type stuff. It's very popular on Magic Online and in paper for the most reason, but a lot of times it's like vintage themed, uh, themed off of different things like that. 
this cube on Arena seems to be the best stuff on Arena, essentially, is how I think it's described. Maybe there'll be some new cards uh, thrown in there, or some cards we haven't seen, but it seems like it's mostly the good stuff that's already on Arena. The sort of awkward part, or different part, I guess, would be that it's sealed, because we don't have the ability to do actual drafts, and I think Wizards correctly identified that uh, cube drafting with bots would not be a very uh, enjoyable experience, so they're going with sealed for this run while they work on real drafts. Is this a format y'all are hyped for? Like, are you going to be playing some Cube Sealed when it comes online? I'll definitely play Cube Sealed. Like, I mean, it's pretty cool. I, It is a bummer because a huge part of, like, just anything limited I love is that the human element of, like, drafting, passing, uh, hating my opponents out to my left and right, you know what I mean? Or whatever, right? Or pivoting and whatnot. Like, I think that's a huge part of limited. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm still going to play it because the idea of just, like, how Cube Sealed or Cube anything is actually really fun. Yeah, I cube draft is cool because you get to so the the appeal of playing cube for me is when we play like vintage or legacy cube things like that where you get to play with old cards and you get to draft weird strategies or different strategies here it's sealed so you pretty much just open stuff and play a good stuff deck like that's usually how sealed works it's very rare that you can ever assemble some actual synergistic deck it's usually just good stuff and the, the the less exciting part is just like arena cards, right? You're basically playing historic cube, right? Uh, they, it's basically all cards on arena plus the new historic anthology cards. So I, I don't know, like, it, it just feels like I'm playing like Theros Sealed or something, right? It's not it's not oh. as exciting as cube, right? It's not the normal Richard. cube we all come to know of, like powered cube and stuff like Richard, that. Right? Richard, Richard, Richard. Have you ever kickered Goblin Rune Blaster? <laughs> 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 Kill their feel of the dead. I, Unfortunately, they have three, so you give them three zombies. <laughs> so, I think for me, I'm actually not super hyped about Cube Sealed in specific, but I am excited that the announcement basically uh, reconfirmed that they're working on real drafts and they're working on real cubes. So I think I'm excited for what this means for the future. This seems like a step towards something real cool. As far as like uh, this cube sealed event itself, if you're looking for something different to do, I would definitely recommend it. But I've played cube sealed before. There was a time when they had like a qualifier in a vintage cube sealed on Magic Online and they put up a queue for it. I didn't find Sealed to be nearly as enjoyable as Draft when it comes to Cube for kind of the reasons that Richard mentioned, where you're just kind of playing the good stuff that you get rather than building a cool synergistic deck. So I'm not super hyped for this event, but I am really excited that they said again, like, we're working on real drafts, it's coming, we're working on real cubes, where you're drafting against other people, and I think that's going to be amazing once we get there and hopefully that's soon like i think the target is this year sometime so hopefully we actually have like a real cube that you can draft against other people in the not that distant future and we know the moxes are on there black lotus is on there <laughs> um, <laughs> like we because we, we with that that beyond uh beyond death launch event so i mean i don't i really don't think we're that far either so i'm excited but i think i'm just excited for anything cube related um, and e- even though sealed, like on just with all arena cards, like you had mentioned, isn't the greatest. I don't know. I guess, I guess it's more like what you said. It. I'm. I'm probably more excited about what this means for the future of arena. It's also our and, like, first phantom event, right? We don't it, have. It's going to be very interesting. It is the first phantom event. They haven't announced how much this is going to cost. I'm going to be very curious to see 
what the rake is on this event, essentially. Like, like how many wins do you have to get to break even and draft again? Uh, so, so we will see. Do you have any, any guesses on that? I know, like, on Magic Four. Online, normally <laughs> if you go two, if you go two and one, you get your money back. And if you go three and oh, you come up double or whatever, close to double. Do you think it'll be roughly similar to that? Or do you think it's going to be much greedier? I think you get three wins, you break even. You go. No, I think I think it's four. It's so it's five total wins. Yeah, and five total wins. So three of five is a pretty attainable win rate. And usually, like even the ones that you pay money uh, for, like usually it's a lot steeper. So I, hmm. I changed my answers because I think you're allowed three losses. That's why. Yes, it does. It does look like three losses. <laughs> this, okay, you so you gotta go five. <laughs> you gotta go five to break. I even. mean. I think that so like obviously I I think to break even though I still I don't know it's th- the amount of gold just like sprinkled around that magic card back around four <laughs> lets me think that that's I'm getting more than <laughs> the other thing is like if you look at the rewards it looks like it's individual card rewards mixed with gold and then gems at five wins yeah do you think this will be a gems only event like do you think that's what the gems is the last thing means like you only can enter this with gems uh and if you get five wins you get your gems back how mad do you think people will be yeah people would be so mad if they did that i i i feel like they wouldn't but let's mm. hope not but i think i feel it will just be gold and expensive they wouldn't give gems unless it costs gems to play. That's what I kind of... Th- that. That's why I'm thinking that. Because of the reward, like, I don't think we've ever had an event that just paid you out in gems that you could enter with gold. Yeah, I actually, mm. I, I actually think this might be a gems only. So, to answer you, Richard, as long as you get a win, you'll get more gold than you paid to enter. <laughs> <laughs> but this, there, this has definitely got to be a gem entry only, then. People will not be happy about that. It's also Also, just a screenshot that they threw up, so we don't know what the final result is. So we're going to have to wait to see. It may not be the actual structure. It's just a random screenshot. Yeah. I I will say I've had a few people that are not familiar with uh, Phantom events that are arena players ask me if Phantom means it's free. That seems very, very unlikely. Uh, No, generally Phantom just means you don't get to keep the cards that you open in your packs, but... Every phantom event that Wizards has run on Magic Online uh, still costs something to enter. So I'm like 99.9% sure there will be some cost to this. It's not just a free event uh, that's handing out rewards. Yeah, especially gems. If, yeah, if, be- if the screenshot is accurate, once again. Uh, any other any other thoughts on the arena announcement before we oh. talk about mystery boosters? Yes. One last thing. The uh, the most important thing, and I, th- this is not even a joke, like the uh, evolution of emoting. <laughs> I can. Are you actually excited for that? Like, are you kidding? You can me? say thank you now if someone says nice or something like that, or sorry if someone says. Yeah, yeah. I can okay. offer my condolences by saying sorry after they say oops. Oh my gosh, I've been waiting for this. Like, just like honestly, I, I love emoting though. So I actually, I have the opposite take with these new ones popping up. Now I kind of feel like. I'm being impolite if I don't respond and my like natural state on arena is just not to emote anything to anyone ever. So now that I have the option to say like, sorry or thank you, I kind of feel pressure that I like have to use that or the person across from me is going to be thinking, Hey, what a jerk. Like they, they could have said thank you there. They could have said sorry. See, this now adds next level. Like you not only have to think about the lines of play, but your lines on how you're going to emote with your opponent. I'm into it. 
I, I, I have flipped on the emote game. Uh, I, I've disabled all emotes. I, I've, I've reverted to my spike mode. Oh, come <laughs> on. Someone, someone really tilted me once doing something. Like, I was trying to think of, like, combat math, and they, they kept going, like, you're go, you're go. And then I was like, okay, screw this guy. <laughs> Turn it off. <laughs> so like that one that that like one person out of like the 50 good emotes I got like ruined it. I was like, okay, I don't need distractions. I can't do combat math as is. I gotta I gotta focus here. Richard, were you against canister? <laughs> so, gotcha. so they can do whatever they want with emotes. I'll never know ever again what happened. <laughs> Richard, come on. You gotta turn the emotes back on. There's nothing like when you know you play you see your opponent, you get paired up, and the first thing you say is good game. You know what I mean? The, like you let them <laughs> The worst is when your opponent good games you, right? Like, you, you win, you win, right? But, yeah. like, you're frantically scrambling to get the good game in response before the game, like, exits, right? Yeah. Like, that's the worst, that's, right? I'm like, oh, my God, he thinks I'm salty, <laughs> right? That's called APM gaming right there, dude. <laughs> that's esports at its finest. They should just give you, like, five seconds after a match where you can sit there and just emote each other before you leave. <laughs> I mean, like... the. I love it. I, I I mean, I don't understand what... Have, have you all had it where, like, at the end of your game, it's like, how would you rank your match? And it gives you a sad face and a happy face? Yeah. yeah. Who hits a happy face after they get bodied? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it's... it's like, I, I don't think Wizards thought that through because I always vote the exact same way. Like, if I won, of course it's a happy face. If I lost, of course it's a frowny face. Like, no, 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 all you're really no, no, no. Okay. judging is whether I won your, or lost. Your opponent mulls the four, has no lands, you, you, you body them. Is that a happy face? Yeah, I won. Really? I, I, I'm pretty, I, I would put the sad face on that. I would put the sad face on that. <laughs> I don't know. I used to feel bad for people that mulligan, but one of the side effects of London mulligans is I don't feel bad at all anymore. If you mulligan to five, I assume you're trying to like find your combo piece, not that you had a bad hand. So I have no sympathy for people mulliganing anymore. I also have zero sympathy because the amount of times it's happened to me. <laughs> I've been on the, the the say like you know the end of like mulling into oblivion. So you know whatever. Uh, all right, we got one more topic before fish mail. We. Got the foil list for Mystery Boosters. So Mystery Boosters, they've been talked about a lot because we've had the convention edition since, I think, December. They're releasing the retail, like, LDS edition this Friday, I believe, the 13th. We got the full foil list, 121 different cards. This is replacing the playtest cards that were in the convention edition. Instead of a playtest card, you're getting a foil in every pack. What do you guys think about uh, the foils for Mystery Boosters? Uh, they, they're like EDH dreams. I mean, like, you're telling me, like, Intruder Alarm is in there. Oh, man, I am so excited for all of these, like, these, uh, did these you know, foils. Did you know Send Triplets is, like, a $65 card non-foil and 165 <laughs> foil? When did no. Send Triplets just become absurdly expensive? Since EDH. Yeah, but who's yeah, allowing apparently. people to play it in their groups? I feel like most people that have this <laughs> as their commander just, like, immediately just don't get to have anybody play with them. So I think from a value perspective, the foils are really solid. I was like shocked. I think when I calculated a couple days ago, the average value of the original printing of these foils was like $17, $18, which uh, for a pack that's going right now, boxes have been 24 packs for $100. So basically normal prices, slightly more because the box is smaller. Like, that's a lot of value, but we'll see where the prices end up. I'm expecting these are going to drop significantly. Like, normally, 
sets that have the gimmick of a foil in every pack, the foils from those sets usually drop severely in price, and they're very, very cheap. So I think maybe the most exciting part is, as Krim said, there's a lot of commander staples. There's Maelstrom Nexuses and Rikis and a bunch of the comic Lands and Teferi's Puzzle Box, Scourge. Yeah, there's a lot of commander staples in here. And these are cards that are pretty expensive, like in foil, 20, 30, 40, in some cases like 80 or over $100. And I'm expecting these to get really, really cheap. So if you've been waiting to get foils for some of these cards for your commander decks, I bet they're going to be like literally 20% of their previous price or something. They almost have to be just from an EV perspective. So there's a lot of cards that are pretty playable that are going to get really cheap if you've been waiting for foils. Do you know the distribution? Are they all equally likely or do they follow kind of their rarities where a mythic... They there is essentially no rarity for these cards. So you're just as likely to get a send triplets as random, I don't know, Iron Mirror, random common. So so within the foil slot, there's no rarity. It's mm. just equally distrib- uh, distributed. That's concerning for me and my luck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's good, right? There's a lot of... Uh, so top in the list is send triplets. Currently like 160-ish, already gone down a lot uh, since since it was revealed. Uh, the, the lowest is Greater Moss Dog. A common problem. I feel like I'm going to open that. Modern a lot. Masters at 25 cents, <laughs> basically bulk. I mean, if I'm lucky, I'll get Ogre Gatecrasher. It's a whole penny more. <laughs> I I will say, I when I kind of calculated the value, the median value is like $11, which is lower than just the average value if you average all the prices, but it's still pretty high. So even though the foils are like, the average value is being driven up by like send triplets, Minamo, a few really high-end cards, even just like Midian value is still like $11, which if you're spending 5 or $6 on a pack, having that be the typical foil you get, that's still pretty good value. But of course, like the asterisk of, like I said, I expect these cards to really crash hard in price. There's just going to be so much supply and a lot of the most expensive cards, uh, like on the, the top 10 list were cards like Shizu Death Storehouse, uh, Minamo School at Water's Edge. Those are cards that are just like not very, uh, high in supply. Like Kamigawa is a historically unpopular and under open set. And these are foils from 20 years ago from a set that wasn't popular. So cards like that mostly have their value just because they're really rare because not a lot were opened back when Kamigawa was released. So I expect the new supply of these cards to really drive down prices. I mean, I, I think it'll like dip the prices only temporarily and then everything goes back up just because like how much EDH stuff, like there's so many good cards here actually. Like when you look at the full list, you do have things like even Burning Inquiry, right? At Foil and like all these other things, right? Like there's, there's just so many cool cards here that, at Foil. Ravenous Trap. I don't know. I mean... I kind of just feel like it's only going to temporarily dip and then it's going to immediately go back up. It's going to be really interesting to see how big of a spread there is between the original foils and the mystery booster foils because they're very close to identical. Like, you have a different copyright line. You have the little, like, magic logo on it or whatever. But really, it's got the same set symbol. It's got the same art. For all intents and purposes, they're really close to the same. I'm expecting, like, the original printing of Minamo to still be, like, $80. But then the Mystery Booster printing, which is almost exactly the same, to be, like, $10 or something. And it's going to be very weird because the cards look so similar to the just the naked eye. We all all know this, right? Like, even... If you have an original printing and a new printing where the art is the same and the only thing that's different is the set symbol, 
the original is still a lot more expensive because everyone knows that's the original. So it doesn't matter how close it looks as long as it's not exact. Like you can't even tell the difference. I, there will always be a difference because you know this is like the OG send triplets. You know, if I've, I've had this for like five years or whatever. Uh, so I think just the original card, just because people know it's original, will, will always cost more. Anyway, uh, fish mail? I think that's all I had on uh, on Mystery Boosters. So let's answer some questions. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, God of Grenades. Years ago, Standard was going to become 18 months of sets with the oldest falling off when a new one was released. Stale Standard seems like it would be more or less fixed going back to this, and you get to keep your deck longer. Thoughts? Uh, so this was the, the two rotation a year plan, I think is what this is referring to. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to see that again. I know there were issues with it. I still feel like it never really got a fair shake because the same time they were testing this was a really bad Kaladesh standard. And the problem was people stopped showing up to events. I'm still not 100% sure how much of that was because of the rotation schedule and how much of it was people were tired of against uh, about playing uh, Team Energy every round or like 50% <laughs> of the time. I think that probably had something to do with it. I think with the focus of arena for standard and standard not doing that much or that well on paper, I think the cost of that is even lower, like, because it just costs less to get cards on arena, so I would love to see that happen again. I know I'm coming from a slightly, like, privileged position where I I have the cards I need to play with, I'm not dealing with the issue of, like, my deck being illegal sooner or whatever, but I think it would go a long way towards keeping Standard fresh when we've been through some times where it just gets stale after a while. Like, right now, Standard's not bad. I've just played the five decks that are good a million times, so it's not that interesting to me, even though the format is healthy, quote-unquote. I mean, I... I want to stay the route that we're on. I, I don't. I don't like the idea of just constantly shifting back and forth too much. I know that seems weird, but, like... Ah... I feel like if we're or like, there's still people like that are confused of like what's legal and standard now, right? I I I, I don't know. I I like the the schedule that we're on now. I I like having the uh, the longer rotation. How about how about instead of having a scheduled rotation, they just let us know a week ahead that they're going to be a rotation <laughs> next week. Next week. So it's essentially a BNR announcement, except for like these sets are banned <laughs> for the whole format. Yes. Yeah, okay. Cool. 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 <laughs> So I think if they prioritize paper standard, your rotations would be slower uh, because, you know, it takes time for you to pick up cards uh, and then you actually want to use them. If they were to prioritize digital, then they would make rotations uh, more frequent. So, you know, a week after a new set releases, you've grinded like five days straight. You're done with the set. You're ready for the next one. Uh, in the game, in the world of digital games, things move really fast. Yeah. So given that it's arena versus paper, I think in the long run, arena's going to win out and they're going to start pushing for faster and faster rotations. Uh, I mean, just to keep the, you know, the gaming uh, audience like satiated, right? Uh, you know, we don't want you to get bored of arena and go play the H game or whatever, right? We got to, we got to get more <laughs> cards in and more sets and whatever, right? Like, but the, the H word has a pretty slow, uh, slow rotation cycle too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, 
that's the weird thing though like like i do agree that yeah with a digital game you do kind of want to keep things like fresh so obviously a faster rotation cycle would be pretty great for that but i feel like almost every card game even the digital ones still have a pretty crazy slow like rotation cycle yeah is that because they don't have enough resources or actually i actually don't know there's there's i don't know the like the reasoning behind it but like let's just say like not just the h word but like even like Shadowverse. Uh, Teppin, all these things, right? All these other digital card games that I play, they all have a pretty, like, uh, either every four, like, like, it's always Legacy, or or the rotation cycle is ridiculously slow. Because, like, I think, like, Hearthstone, which, for those that don't know, that's the H word, uh, it is the, like, I, they usually go by the year of, like, the Rhino, or the year of the whatever, right? And those years, they they rotate, like, what, every... I feel like almost every two years because I remember being able to like so I I don't know almost every card game I played they've had a pretty slow uh, rotation cycle hmm. interesting I guess we'll see we'll see what happens with with wizards and what they approach but I know like most other games like there's a patch every month that basically fundamentally shifts the game around for you to get True. kind of a, a new game to play that's so, the difference because yeah. they're digital right so they can go yeah. and just errata whatever they want so it is like a new game it is a new format but with magic it does have the paper side of it so that's the only thing maybe that's why it feels a little bit slower whereas like hearthstone's like okay well this card's a problem we're just gonna make it do this now okay well that card sucks time to make a new meta yeah <laughs> All right, next question. One epic pug. I want to buy Zendikar Expeditions for my Commander and Legacy decks, but I'm worried about reprints in Zendikar Rising. Is reprint risk already priced in, or should I wait? Even if they reprint, like, like if we're talking about reprints, are you talking about Expedition reprints? Because yeah. the premium cards, I don't like. As long as you have the blue fetch lands or whatever, I, I don't, I can't imagine them ever dropping too much. Because I would be. Sh- shocked if wizards actually reprinted expeditions i do think there's some risk that there's like uh like the the fetch lands were expeditions is it possible we get secret layer fetch lands i think that's a possibility i don't think it'll be the same art though i don't think you're gonna literally have expeditions so i would not be super concerned Uh, i think that expeditions are rare enough and unlikely to be reprinted enough that they're going to maintain their value even if if there's like secret layer fetch lands i I think even if they make secret layer fetch lands would it decrease the price of zedekar expeditions no i don't think i don't i'm gonna say i'm gonna say no but i could do some more research on it like i don't think for example uh like hollowed fountain getting reprinted uh because the shocklands were also part of that it didn't drop in price when it showed up in guilds of ravnica if anything it maybe increases in price because people can play them in their standard decks so that type of reprinting might actually help it but based on other expeditions that have been reprinted they haven't had uh, any negative price uh, drops or anything, so I would say you're pretty safe. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm actually I'm in the camp where I think even if it got re- like they decide, oh well, Zendikar's returning, we're gonna bring back expeditions. I don't even think it hurts that much because it's still a very very rare card to find. I think it would hurt. I think if they literally just printed the same exact cards with the same exact art and everything, I think that would have an impact. But I think it's really unlikely that they reprint i think there would be a huge uproar because they're basically like collector's cards like that's the whole point of expeditions 
And I think there would be a massive uproar if Wizards just literally started reprinting expedition type stuff that are, even that are with built the, for collectors. The, even with the drop rate and like, yeah, sure, maybe there's a temporary dip, but I can't imagine these things ever staying low. Yeah, I guess it also would depend on, like, if they were very infrequent, like you get one expedition a case or whatever, like we saw the first time. I think that that's probably true over the long run as well. Like, I think they would go down temporarily while the set was being open, but then start climbing. Although I think... I think the problem is once Wizard starts reprinting these collector's cards, then I think you might just see a price drop across the board because one of the reasons people buy expeditions now is it feels like they're safe from reprints. Like you think, okay, this isn't something Wizards a reprint, it's a special thing for collectors. And I feel like if that confidence goes away and people start thinking, oh, like they're going to reprint masterpieces and expeditions, then I think you might see people just sell out in mass because they're no longer considered like a safe haven to invest in. I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm like, I think of buying into magic a little differently because as long as they're not on the reserve list, I feel like it's open Grim, to just a reprint. Grim buys like literally every promo card that comes out. <laughs> so I don't know about their thinking involved when, yeah. <laughs> when we talk about Grim and promo cards. <laughs> I do love me some promos, but like, I just feel like every, like, I don't know, everything you should just understand is open to a reprint also but that's maybe just how i go into things all right real joseph moya let's say you're sitting at a table of commander all players have agreed to allow one player to play a non-legendary commander during the game urza's ruinous blast is cast should that non-legendary commander get exiled yeah, yes <laughs> yes I say um no. i say no. i say yes <laughs> I would, I, am, I would say... I am going to read yes. Urza's Ruinous Blast, and then I'm going to read it back to you. <laughs> I don't think you can... Yeah, if you agree to let non-legends as your commander, I think I think you gotta... Because then, if you start doing that, aren't there tons of rules that you would have to... Like, can you cast Karn's Temporal Sundering when you have yeah. your non-legendary commander? Like, no, I feel like no. you open a whole Pandora's box of issues once you start changing the words on cards. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, wait, what? I thought you I, disagreed. So, so no, should no. the non-legendary commander be considered legendary? I think the for non-legendary the commander should be exiled. Yes, it would. That's oh, what I okay, would say. Okay. It should yes. be exiled. Like you got to play it how it's written. Your your commander wouldn't magically turn into a legend just yes. because you allowed it as your commander. Like it's still not a legend. Yeah, I'll that, allow that you is to what play I meant it as, as well. the commander. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you meant that. No, no, no. It should not be exiled. I'm like, ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ooh. I mean, we, we should follow the rules as is. Like, you all kind of agreed to it. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. It's like a game of Commander. I guess the, what you would actually do is just all vote on the spot right yeah. there what you think should happen. But I, I guess mean, next time our we do play this. Group, well, let's just call it that in the Goldfish playgroup that we would make you exile your Commander. All right. Next question. Crazy Crowleys, with Ikoria being the plane of large beasts and the announcement of a box topper, what are the odds that Tarmogoyf is the box topper for the set? The future site wow. is now. Uh, you We're know, talking large I, beasts, man. <laughs> I I don't know what the odds are, but it's funny because I had this discussion the other day. I don't even think Tarmogoyf would be good, even if it were in standard. But that's a whole other story. Yeah. I guess the the I odds agree. Oh yeah, right. Like I just don't think Tarmogoyf would be good, but uh, I I think the odds are are still pretty. I don't know. I don't want to say low, but it seems unlikely. 
I bet it'll be a new card showing off some new, like, monstrous mechanic, whatever it is. Like, that would be my guess, is yeah. it's not a reprint. Um, but I do think, as Grim said, that Tarmogoyf would be safe for standard. Yeah, like, and they I can wouldn't be surprised it. if eventually we do get it reprinted in a standard format. Like, it would never. I, I think it's cards too, are just so good. With these where days green is? That, are you kidding me? Like, if that's the, like, like, are you kidding? That's the least broken thing I've seen. Yeah, from it's green. a terrible <laughs> card, and there's no <laughs> reason they would tank the price of Tarmogoyf to put it into standard. Right, like it, oh, so you think because it's not <laughs> impactful to standard, there's no reason to exactly, to reprint right? and take the like, price. I guess that kind of makes you sense. You kind of just waste it uh, because it's been in like every Masters edition ever, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't think they would ever waste it like that. Um, next question: uh, Say stuff in paper. You can't have several type of sleeves in a deck because it's basically card marking. Do you think we could see such a feature in Arena where every card? can have a different random sleeve when the game starts mismatch um, sleeves <laughs> Dude, is, is this where we want to be going that's um i i don't think they can because the 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 gameplay it would promote like let's say if i started through digital and then i show up at a tournament and i mix and match my sleeves there because like but i do it on arena you know what i mean <laughs> like i i don't i don't I mean, sure, you can, right? I'm saying that you can, but, like, I don't think you should. What's the upside? Like, <laughs> what possible benefit do you get from being able to mish- mash your sleeves on Arena? The Just flex. Be- yeah. The, the flex. same benefit for mismatching your playsets? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like you're, you're just right? But it's, like, a lot of work. They gotta do a lot like of work to make it happen. you're attacking me, Richard. You're attacking me right now. <laughs> uh, I think yeah, it's too complicated unlikely. that they're actually going to spend the time to uh, to do it. I just don't think you should once again because like think about it i i meet so many people that are like i'm i've started magic through arena and then they they find out about paper they go play that and like i just i feel like this just it causes a mess that's not needed yeah uh adrian mckenzie have you tried the mobile game mana strike love to hear your thoughts anyone play Boy, mana strike? do i play mana strike that is like <laughs> <laughs> that game i i got really high in the ranks i think i got to like 2300 or something like that 2400 oh, i was like i think i was like only like f- i don't know 300 away from like top whatever right i don't know when, i don't know it, it eventually leaves ranks and just becomes numbered uh but the game itself is pretty fun uh what it's kind a great of game is it i still can't tell based on like the trailers i see it's like a simple it's a simplified version of a simplified rts game to me so like you know like like it's a really really it's like baby's starcraft Mm. it's it but like because like all your characters like the cards you have i I wish they would be a little more uh, generous when it comes to like you acquiring like planeswalkers because you're you have to acquire the cards because like example there's like grinning demon which yes i'm naturally very happy about uh but like in order for me to upgrade grinning demon i have to open five copies of grinning demon and it's already a rare card, so it's pretty. I already have to spend enough to get the, the upgrade on the cards itself. They should make it a little bit easier for me to acquire planeswalkers. Um, but yeah, I I like the game. It's fun if you're watching. But if you're like getting into this and hoping that it's StarCraft or or, or like Dota, it is not that. It's a way simpler version than that. It's I I mean it's simple, really simple, but fun. Uh, next question. Tapasio L. There's a manga ongoing in Japan about a junior high of a junior high school kids playing Magic the Gathering at the end of the nineties. It's called Destroy All Humankind. It can't be regenerated. <gasps> Are you aware of this manga? Do you think Wizards will bring it to the US crimp? I am I, aware. Actually, I, I've seen screenshots of this thing, but I've never actually read it. Have you actually read it? 
I have not read it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I actually saw it being sold here in Japan. Uh, what, you didn't I, buy it? What? <laughs> I, I did not buy it. No, but wow. <laughs> that is correct. I, I I mean, I think there's a promo with it, so I probably should. But I mean, <laughs> uh, but like, in all honesty, it looks cool. It's almost as if like Yu-Gi-Oh! Showmanship, but with like Magic the Gathering. So I don't know if you're into that, if that's your jam, then yeah. Do I think it makes its way over here? Not really, because the people that don't know it would think, like, what is this, a ripoff of Yu-Gi-Oh? And then the Magic players <laughs> would be like, why? <laughs> uh, Captain Wow 26 Hey, guys, is it possible for Wizards to make cards that benefit the player going second? Maybe once upon a time, they can only be cast for free if you're going second. It seems that games are heavily determined on whether you are playing first. Uh, I mean, we've seen some, like uh, Gemstone Cavern is the most obvious one that we have in Magic's history, where if you're on the draw, it does way more than if you're on the play. So, uh, yeah, I think it's possible. I don't know how far Wizards would go down that line. I don't know if... I think if there's an argument for it, it's that intuitively going second seems like a bigger problem in best of one, and Wizards uh, is really still supporting best of one pretty heavily on Magic Arena, so if that's part of the plan, maybe we see more new cards because of that, but I honestly don't think, in general, it's that huge of a issue in best of three. Really? I, I, I feel that's like the biggest factor... <laughs> like forget my sideboard decisions and what deck I'm playing. Am I on the play or am I on the draw? Makes a huge difference, even in best of threes, because you basically like let's say you win the coin flip, you win the first game, you lose the second game, then you're on the play again. So it's good for the third game, right? Uh, that's yeah. Like, but I think what you it, have like more 8%. chances to overcome. Yeah, but that eight percent is basically the difference between a tier one deck and a tier two deck, right? Like, is it not? Like, it's it's a good deck versus a bad deck, right? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same camp with Richard here. I, I I feel like it, as of recent, it definitely feels like it really matters more than ever. Um, so I don't I don't know. I I I would like to see more things like that. I don't know. Maybe it could be like a Chancellor effect or or whatever, or like the Sphinx of Foresight. If you're going second, you get to scry three and or something like that with this in your opening hand. I think I I would be fine with that. Like I guess eight percent is. It doesn't sound like a big number, but I guess it is uh, a meaningful number. But that's I think like it's a really me turning into LSV, Seth. <laughs> like literally, <laughs> probably really, is right. Like that's the difference. It's a really hard thing to balance, though. I just I don't know how much faith I have in wizards. Like nail, it seems very difficult. Not just wizards, but in general. Like, can you make it so it's fifty fifty? Or if you start making these cards. Does it become 8% or 15% if you're on the draw because you get these really busted cards? Like, are you just creating more problems? If I thought there was a way to, like, actually design your way to having it be 50-50, that would be awesome. But I'm just not sure that's possible. Like, it's got to be a card that catches you up in mana, right? So it's got to be, like, those that's, white that's... those white cards where if your opponent has more lands than you or something, like, you get something. The coin. Yeah. <laughs> The coin adds to the storm count. We can't have this. <laughs> it's another free spell. Do we want another free spell in magic? I, I, you know what? I, I think we could have chancellor effects, right? But yeah. like cheaper, obviously. So where like it's not like a nine mana chancellor or whatever. But whatever the praetors were from New Phyrexia, right? So, the, so I think the right? question is yeah. if if you had that, 
would you just, and you're playing that in your deck, do you just choose to draw first to take advantage of that? Like, does well, it become a benefit to be on the draw because you're building a deck around all these, you know, if you're on the draw cards? It's kind of like a temporary mana, so I don't know if it's still better than going and actually just playing a land, right? Like, like the Chancellor mana goes away at the end of main phase one of your turn, right? Or whatever. Yeah, so, that's true. So, like, it's still, I, I would like that because it, it, there's still incentive for you to want to go first. But where, like, on the draw, it's not like you're going to Stone Cold lose. All right. What if I made Once Upon a Time and it's only free no. if it's the first spell and you are on the draw? Would you play it? So if you're on the play, you have to pay for it <laughs> for two mana. But if you're on the draw and it's the first spell, it's a free spell. I actually like that. If, it, like, it, you have to be on the draw. And yeah, you, you have, have to, to be on the draw. Anything. So it mitigates, like, if you're somehow on the draw, you get, like, this free look. <laughs> But if you're on the play, you get nothing. I like that. I like that. I, I think that could have actually been what Once Upon a Time was. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd play that or not. I mean, I guess because Once Upon a Time is fine at two mana that I probably would play it just because of that. If it was like a ley line, though, where it's actively bad if you don't get to play it for free, I don't think I would I would play those if it had the same restriction. I mean, All right. I, I, I legitimately think you can just make make it like a chancellor thing but cheaper like any of this that cycle but just cheaper so you don't have a nine mana clunky threat in your hand like a three mana four mana one whatever yeah all right last question philippe real h here's my idea for mechanic for white to draw cards guardian x when this creature enters the battlefield you may exile x the top x cards of your library under it when this creature attacks or blocks you may put those cards in your hand what do you think i don't know it doesn't really gain life <laughs> <laughs> No, I, 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 it's either too good or, or too bad, right? Like, uh, but whenever you attack for or like, block, draw a card, that's like really good. So you're going to have to cost it more. But then if you're paying like five mana for a 2-2 two -two, and it gets removed immediately, then it's the most terrible card ever. So I don't know how you can balance this. I like the idea of the mechanic. Like, I think the, the mechanic could be a cool, like, set mechanic, but I don't know. It does seem like it would be very difficult to balance as, like, an evergreen way to improve white. But is, but, like, let's be honest here. Isn't it about time to, like, have, like, I don't know, white cards get the green treatment to where they're just so <laughs> obviously broken that they're gonna get banned eventually, but they still get printed anyways? I don't know if I want any any color to get the green treatment like green has gotten the last couple of years have you guys <laughs> forgot about history of banalia like <laughs> oh, that, man. That, that was a strong card <laughs> that definitely was a strong card but like this is the thing like it's either you're playing white weenie or you're playing life gain <laughs> like yeah i mean you're either playing white weenie or you're playing like a crazy five mana angel right like avacid or uh, or something like well, that. Right? I don't know. That's just what White does. I, have, right? I haven't seen anybody actually cast an angel like family. <laughs> I, I feel like every time it's an angel, it's getting brought back with black or something like that. <laughs> I, want, I, right. want, I want White to just be good, like really good. So good that it carries whatever other color, not it gets carried. I, I honestly think people sometimes blow that out of proportion as far as standard. Like, wasn't getting an ally of Zendikar like the uh -huh. best Remember thing we used to complain about and that? the best deck in standard <laughs> for like a long period of time? Like, I don't think White is. I get it overall, and I definitely get it for Commander, but I actually think that people just kind of, like, meme on it with Standard, because I don't think White is as bad as people make it out to be sometimes. I mean, it's because yeah, people don't like White Weedy. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I mean. Like, like, like White Weedy. Like, Gideon is obviously good, but, like, and, like, that, I agree, that was probably the best card White has had in a long time, but, like, 
uh, something that's not white weenie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, almost every other color has, like, multiple ways they can go when it comes to decks that you can build. Yeah. Man, that's true. That's true. I could see white getting more variety. I just don't think it's, like, that <laughs> underpowered as far as standard. But yeah, getting more variety would be fine. I mean, I mean, okay, so, like, if, if you don't do white weenie, the, it, it severely drops off after that, right? Like, All right. Thank you to everyone who sent their questions in. If you have questions, send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And that brings us to the end of episode 267 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And on that note, we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. So until then, this is a crew signing out.